This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 537 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Robin's looking pretty good for 80 years. John Kent is the true Superman. Mr. Terrific calls in the reserves. The name is Olsen, Jimmy Olsen. Young versus Younger Justice, another trippy tale from Mike Allred, and Coronapocalypse hits the comic industry. This is How I Got My Wave Street Comics for Sunday, March 29th, 2020. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs, or subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. We are covering three weeks of comics for reasons that will become clear later in the show. Robin, 80th Anniversary Super Spectacular! By Wolfman, Grummet, Dixon, McDaniel, Grayson, Jurgen, Seely, King, Jannon, Wynick, Nguyen, Beechin, Williams II, Tinian IV, Fernanda, Scott, Tomase, Jimenez, Thompson, and Villa Lobos. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The original superhero sidekick gets his due in a set of stories featuring all the various Robins. Wolfman gives us Dick Grayson's nudge to move on from Robin. Dixon gives us a Nightwing story during Gotham's Cataclysm. Grayson, not Dick, gives us a Nightwing tale with the Titans. Seely and King take us back to the recent days of Dick as a spiral agent. Winnick and Jason Todd wish Bruce a happy birthday. Beechin and Tim Drake check in with the guidance counselor. Tinian shows Drake trying to decide whether to join Bruce's Gotham Knights as seen recently in Detective Comics. Spoiler, he does. Wolfram takes us back to Stephanie Brown's short Girl Wonder tenure. Tomasi and John Kent write a homework paper on my best friend, Damian Wayne. Thompson shows Bruce and Damian having problems communicating. Of course, there are splash page pinups throughout. There were plans for several of these 80th anniversary issues. 1940 was a big year at DC, but recent events may put that on hold. Legion of Superheroes, number five by Bendis, Sook, Godleski, Von Grabodger, and Belair. As always, Bendis's LSH is crazy and quippy. We meet some additional members, a timber wolf that looks more like Frankenstein, a future inheritor of Dr. Fate's helm, bouncing boy, and invisible kid. All while Brainy tries to talk down the science police, they're on President Brand's orders to shut it all down, which he does, at least for the moment. It's then agreed that the best thing to do is have John Kent complete that darned orientation video. Meanwhile, Brainy and Chameleon Lad confer about the latter being Brand's son. Off to the orientation video, where John decides to watch things through Brand's point of view. We see the LSH Trinity saving Brand from assassination. 
brand convincing the UP to allow the creation of the LSH with hollows of Porter's JLA and Perez's Titans as visuals, brand laying it out to Saturn Girl, Cosmic Boy, and Lightning Lad, the three of them conferring via MindLink. Now, if this is brand's POV, how does she know this? Hmm... Block, at that point a member of the science police, agreeing to join the new LSH, but not sitting down. The Trinity going to see Brainiac 5 on Kolu, who has seen what is coming, which makes him agree to join, and that John Kent must be brought forward, and that he is the true Superman. He also says that all reality depends on the 21st century surviving, which means John Kent must also survive. John is brought out of the orientation video with an alert. Earth, well, New Earth, must be evacuated immediately. The Terrifics, number 26, by Yang, De Villas, Fuentes, and Proto Bunker. By the way, this title is grouped under Dark Knight's Metal per the trade dress, but not sure why. Stag learns he has inoperable cancer, then is offered something by demons. Later, Terrific announces a new holopod transportation system, sending a group on a test ride, including Stag. Surprise! It doesn't go well. It crashes as it returns with no one on it. Terrific wants to investigate the software, so he drags the team into cyber mode. Inside, they find a digital version of Stag's security bot, and the fight is on. They then determine a heat signature underground, so Plastic Man turns into a hole digger, only to find Stag and a bunch of monsters. Terrific calls in the reserves, a.k.a. the T-Council. The Atom, Ray or Ryan, Blue Beetle, Man Bat, Tom Strong and Tesla, Amethyst, and a black guy in a suit. Huh? This title really went off the rails when Lemire left. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number nine, by Fraction, Lieber, and Fairbairn. Strap in, folks. We kick off with the little Olsons, with Julian running an investment stand. The advisor is in. Then Jimmy opens up a competing stand that gives away dollars for bugs. Over to adult Jimmy in Candorland, an amusement park with a bottled city theme. He's not there to enjoy the rides, but to help arm Falloff Boy, an actual Silver Age Legion character whose Falloff family needs help. Perry says the story is too weird. This is where he draws the line? Back to Little Olsons, where Janie explains the fallacies in investment. Cut to the Porcadillo, explaining to Detective Corrigan, not that one, the legacy of supervillainry he has to live up to. Both grandfather and father were annihilators. When he dreams about his destiny, we get a graphic novel-level splash page with fancy lettering. What does this all have to do with Jimmy Olsen? Well, he takes great headshots. Back to Little Olsen's with Dad reading out the family trust details while Jimmy daydreams. Over to adult Jimmy, coming out of the water in a scuba suit with a tux under it a la Bond, so also he can break into a public school casino night so he can talk to Lex, who is also there in a tux for some reason. They confer on the veranda after Jimmy loses all his tickets on one hand of poker. Lex explains he won't kill Jimmy or his family, that he'd rather beat them up instead. It's Jimmy's brother who is trying to kill him. So, Jimmy strips off the tux with another scuba outfit under it and goes back into the water. This is so bizarre and off the wall. I just can't imagine where they're going with this. 
Young Justice number 14 from Wonder Comics by Bendis, Walker, Timms, Imming, and Eltiab. First off, we see how Impulse collected the former Young Justice. Sideways is collected first, since he can transport them to the others. Spoiler and Aqualad are in the middle of different missions but agree to go. Arrowette is accosted in the middle of the school lunchroom, but is okay with going as well. Over to Superboy and Warlord on Skatarus in the middle of a magical fight, only to get a message from Dr. Glory telling him she stashed him there where magic and kryptonite are plentiful. Back on Earth, Young and Younger Justice meet, and Glory sends interdimensional monsters after them. Impulse is sent into Star Labs to find Connor, which he does, and a team is sent to pull him back from Skataris, which they do. Dr. Glory offers the group the information they need in exchange for not taking her in. Why don't Young and Younger Justice remember each other's groups? I'm interested to see how or if Bendis works this out, but we might be waiting a while. X-Ray Robot number one from Dark Horse by Allred, Allred, and Picos. Anything Michael and Laura Allred put together is bound to be strange, and this is no exception. We meet scientists working on a way to send a robot on an interdimensional ride with a human mind controlling it. There's talk about securing funding and a Me Too moment that helps to resolve it. Later, the team's leader, Dr. Wilding, performs the Phase 1 test. The robot is sent off while Wilding wears a control helmet, seeing where the robot goes. The event seems to break his mind, later seeing his son incinerated in a different dimension. Despite that, they go on to Phase 2. This time, both the robot and the doctor disappear. At one point, a floating brain appears, and then both the doctor and the robot are both Wilding. The robot has the mind of Wilding 277 years in the future. Robot Wilding tells the group he needs their help to avoid the end of mankind. As you would expect, Allred's visuals are trippy as hell. So did you get this just because it was Allred? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I saw Allred said, yep, sign me up. Yes, I don't have much to do with picking the comics unless there's something I specifically know. Mark reviews everything and picks it out. And right away I recognized this and I was like, ooh, yeah, you know? So. Okay, we've been hinting at this throughout the show, but it's time to talk about it. Like much of society, the comic book industry has been shaken by COVID-19. Talk of reducing comic book output, something that has been pushed for a long time, was dialed up to 11 this week. It all started this past Monday when Diamond announced that they would no longer accept or send out any new comic materials with the final shipments happening this week, which they did. For those who aren't aware, Diamond is the distributor of comic books. I'm not kidding. They ran all their competitors out of business in the 90s. This means there's no way to get new comics to your local shop. Meanwhile, the Canadian printers that publish DC Comics and many others formally shut down for the duration of the virus. For all intents and purposes, the comic industry is now in limbo. Many shops were hanging on by their fingernails before all this happened, so this is catastrophic in the short term. Like many stores, LCSs went to curbside pickup and shipping. I actually posted a short video of my unboxing on Friday, but now... Most shops are formally closed, and they wouldn't have new product to sell anyway. What can you do to help your local comic shop? See if they have an online store for existing stock. Buy gift certificates to use yourself or give to someone when this is over. Forgo any discounts you might have with them. They probably need the money more than you do. There's also the industry as a whole. There is talk of temporarily switching to all digital for new content. Bad idea. If people get used to that... 
LCSs will be completely out of the loop. Here's the latest from the publishers. DC says they are exploring a multi-distributor model and making all comics returnable until mid-June. Of course, they need to find a new printer before any of that can come to pass. A small amount of DC content is distributed through Penguin Press, mostly for bookstores, so they might be used for more than that. Still unclear if they will go digital only for new content. Marvel has promised a larger scale plan, along with deep discounts for retailers. Again, moot until they get a distributor. Boom, Dark Horse, and Archie Comics have all essentially shut down, with a few comics coming out in April that were already in the queue. Hey, Big Two, please follow their example. This will give you time to actually get ahead on new content instead of barely meeting or not meeting dates. Almost all creatives work from their homes, so make sure you keep giving them work and dollars. DC and Marvel are owned by multinational conglomerates who see the comic book industry as a rounding error at best. Don't let it die. There's also the question that impacts us more than anyone, what about the podcast? Now, we've been covering new comics for 12 years now, and I want to keep the show going. So depending on how things go the next few weeks, we're going to shift our direction, hopefully a temporary move, in what we are calling Long Box Roulette. We will pick old comics at random from my collection of 23,000 issues, that's what happens when you buy new comics for 34 years, and review them. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it would be interesting to get some of those older ones back in the route. Well, before we get out of here, it's time to play America's Fastest Growing New Game Show. I guess who's on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. Mark, I actually have an Entertainment Weekly this wow. week. Wow. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Go. TV related? No. Movie related? Yes. Is it one movie on the cover? Yes. Uh, is it one person on the cover? Yes. Uh, is it a man? No. It's a woman? Yes. Uh, and um, is this a movie... That at least when this was published was going to come out soon? Yes. Uh, okay. And is it some sort of major film? I mean, like like uh, expected to be a blockbuster? Hmm. Um, yes. Okay. Um, is, is the woman under 30? Uh, no. Is the woman uh, under 40? Yes. Um, is this a genre movie? Yes. Is it superhero related? Yes. Okay, they recently did Wonder Woman, so it almost has to be Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson. That would be correct. (laughs) Yes, it is. And I don't know. Do you know when it's coming out now? Uh, They don't know, I don't think. I think I've heard lots of rumors of a delay, but that's all we've heard. Of course, that's a whole other thing going on where the movie industry has ground to a halt. Who knows what's going to happen there? And this may be a point where there's a major move over to... The world of streaming as an exclusive model, although I don't see them ever making the kind of money that they make now in the theaters doing that. But well, you know, it depends on how they do. I mean, you could you could go to I was going to say you could go to streaming domestically and still release them internationally in theaters because that seems to be where a lot of the blockbusters make their money. But then you know you run into the issue of pirating, right? So right. And do we see something where maybe the number of movie theaters, especially in the U.S., drops and they become more of an exclusive thing? You pay more even for a theatrical experience to see the movie and otherwise you just watch it 
on your favorite streaming service. Maybe <laughs> maybe they set up like little booths in the movie theater so that you can be isolated from patrons and Well then what's the difference in that? <laughs> and watching, watching it at home. But <laughs> well, you can still buy overpriced popcorn and candy. <laughs> well there is that. There is that. Announcer bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.